then he's not. <laughs> he threw me into the deep end of the pool without a life jacket. Good morning, everyone. Praise God. You ready for some more? Me too, me too. Well, let's raise at least one hand. Father, we acknowledge you today. We love you so much. So wonderful to be saved. So great to have our sins forgiven. So amazing to be called uh, a child of God. To have a seat at the table. To be made kings and priests. What you've done in our life, what you've planned for our life, what you have laid out for us in the future. Greater, greater, greater than our eyes have seen. Greater, 1 Corinthians says, than our hearts have even comprehended. And yet, God, you know it all together. Lead us into it today. Father, again, we thank you for utterance to flow. May it be given unto me. Help my wife and I to speak the word of God boldly as it ought to be spoken. May the word of the Lord have free course among us today, unhindered by any human, technical, or demonic power. And may that word be glorified in those that hear it as they lay hold of it, become doers of that word. Father, we believe that, Father God, that the fruit, the teaching, the light, the instruction on family uh, that, that these students take hold of. Father, as I've already heard testimony, Father, of the difference between their marriage last year to this year. Praise God. We thank you for the fruit that will echo from, for generations to come. We just so thank you. Be glorified in all that's done and said in these three hours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, you could be seated. Let me get organized. <clears throat> and such an honor for my wife and I again to get to be here. Uh, I look forward to this every, every year. And uh, it's just such easy teaching and preaching. You all are good, good seed to sow into. So I thank you for that. <clears throat> Praise God. Anyone want to hear from my wife again today, maybe? All right. Thank you for that. Praise God. Cheer her on. Amen. She's an anointed gal, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Yield to the highest. I'll sit down now. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to be I'm happy to be silver rub, rubbing shoulders with gold, you know. Uh, glory to God. And again, I'm, I'm over-prepared this morning. I got all my, all my devices and doodads and everything else. So do you have access? I know that we provided this earlier to some session notes called The Love Boat. Yes. Okay, that's where we're going to start this morning, I believe. And uh, did I say Proverbs? We're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs to chapter 24. And so our assignment, of course, this week is the family, all things related to the family. And uh, oh, thank God for the family. And you know, Satan is going to attempt to disqualify you in your family life, you know, through your family life. <clears throat> and uh, so we, we want to, of course, uh, foil his plan in that. But God, God put Adam and Eve together uh, to further His plan, uh, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, and really to make earth look like heaven. And allow, allow Adam and Eve, created in God's likeness and image, under the dominion and their submission to God, uh, to make earth look like heaven. And so, you know, and that, that was to flow forth from, not, not from the institution, not first, of government, the church wasn't a thing yet, as great as the church is. And so it's out of, it's out of the marriage dynamic, out of the family dynamic, uh, all dominated in a loving way by their relationship with God that had there been no sin, amen, the only government necessary would have been God's Word. God's Word would have been the only government. And again, it'll be that way. Uh, the Bible says that there's coming a day where God is going to place the governments of the world on the shoulders of Jesus. And he'll rule the nations with a rod of iron. It'll all be great. Amen. 
uh, but we're not here yet. But we're endeavoring to have heaven in our homes. So we want to launch out, and we've talked about some foundational things. We'll talk about at least launching out in this uh, handout on some another foundational item. But we're going to get in, uh, as the Lord would help us today, into, into the weeds, in, deep into the marriage dynamic. Uh, how do you have a great marriage? Uh, whether you're going to be married, you're married today, or you're raising kids and they're going to get married, how do we guide them best we can uh, into all that? <clears throat> so uh, Proverbs 24 and verse number 3 says, Through wisdom is a house builded. Through a wisdom is a house built. Uh, or a life, a home, a family. How's it going to be built? Through wisdom. And by understanding... It is established. Somewhere I have the amplified translation of that. I don't see it in front of me. Anybody have an amplified handy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead and could I grab that and read that out from you? Thank you, sir. On the right side. So through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, the amplified says a life, a home, a family is built. Amen. So these things don't happen by accident. If you grew up in a wonderful home, a great home, a blessed home, someone did that on purpose. Someone tapped into some skill, some, not just wisdom, some godly wisdom, right? Not earthly wisdom, not Oprah wisdom, not Dr. Phil wisdom, <laughs> amen? Not some Facebook meme wisdom that you got a hold of, but it takes skillful and godly wisdom to build a life, to build a home, to build a family. And by understanding, it is established, notice this, on a solid and a good foundation. Amen? And again, that's what, uh, that's what we've been talking about, and that is what is required. Praise God. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. And we want to talk about the love boat. Now, I was a kid when that show was on, so don't, don't think me old. And if you don't even know what show I'm talking about, well, good for you. But how many of you remember the captain and, and, the, and the cruise ship, and they had this, uh, oh, this 30-minute program called The Love Boat, right? So that's kind of where we got that. But, you know, when, when you join yourself in a lifelong covenant with another person, and then kids come along, Amen. It's like my wife said, you're stuck together. You're bound together. Amen. And there are consequences for saying, no, I'm not. And walking off and violating that covenant. Uh, if you read Malachi, God says he hates divorce. He doesn't hate people, but he hates the act of divorce. Because of the tearing, because of the pain, because of the, the ramifications that divorce will bring uh, into people's lives. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, just to tell you, my wife and I, when I think about it, she could tell different. And uh, we've purposed today, the microphone, I think, for her is around the handheld anywhere. She wants to chime in. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that handy for her. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Amen. And, uh, but to me, I, I think, I know that Amber and I, we have a great marriage, number one, because each one of us individually, we are deeply and personally in love with Jesus. Yeah. Remember I said that the foundation, there's only one foundation, and the foundation is Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Everything else, your married life, your family life, your business life, your ministry life, whatever that God has for you in all these different arenas, without a foundation that is Jesus, firmly laid, then all of your activity is for naught because when a strong enough wind comes along, it's just going to blow it down. Yes. Amen? So Amber and I's marriage and our family is what it is. Praise God. If you see anything good, because she knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. She's committed to Jesus. And if she gets out of line, Jesus will deal with her. Yes. Yes. Amen. And that's great because what she said is absolutely true. I can't change her. You know, I spent a few years trying to do that, and you just, just a few. Now, she tried extra. She, you know, she tried for a decade or more. And uh, before she figured out, I might as well give it up. I can't change him. Amen. But Jesus can change us. 
This is, this is true also, you know, uh, on the occasions, there haven't been many, but there have been some times where I went to the Lord about my spouse. I said, no, Father, you know, we're going to talk. And I start listing stuff. And, you know, he's never addressed that. He's never come to me in prayer and said, you know what, you are so right. <laughs> never. Every single time he has dealt with me. Now, why? Because I, he, I, he's got my ear. You know, when I change, my marriage changes. We spend all this effort saying, oh, if they would just fix this or change that. Well, really, it's if you. The, the only power you have in that marriage to improve it is you on your side of the ledger. So he's always dealt with me. He's always dealt with me. And uh, praise God. Now, no doubt he'll deal with her, but that's really not his focus with me and my relationship. He, he wants me. So anyway, uh, praise God. We have a great marriage, number one, because uh, we're deeply committed to Jesus. Number two, Amber and I have a great marriage because we're covenant-minded. She alluded to that yesterday. You know, we both went in with this idea of uh, we're in it forever good or bad. I mean, we're just, if it stinks to high heaven, we're in it. You know, she, she came from a history of broken home. I came from a history of broken home. And I have some statistics with me that say children um, that come from divorce, that was their parents' experience, and they get married, their chance, their statistical odds of getting divorced themselves goes up 200%. Yeah, 200%. Now, we, we're beating those odds, praise God. So, you know, it's just a statistic, right? Uh, but uh, anyway, you have to be covenant-minded. You, you cannot be walking around entertaining the thought of, a, of, a, of an option. And we never have ever, ever, in the most heated arguments that we have ever had, we have never used the D word as a weapon to win an argument. Yes. Well, bless God. No, no, we don't do that. You know, uh, because you want to create instability and insecurity in your relationship. Start, start holding the D word over, over your spouse's head. It's, it's, it's ungodly. And uh, the other third thing I would say uh, is we have a great marriage because we're not quitters. You know, the Cody's, we live by some mottos. You know, they're not on a t-shirt or anything, but, you know, uh, we just have some phrases, some core values in our family that we all know. Number one, uh, we're, Cody's never quit. We just don't. We don't quit. We don't quit on anything. Amen. Uh, we also, Cody's have no secrets in our home. We don't, we don't have secrets. And uh, so anyway, there's just some others. We have some just things that we live by to kind of create a culture that belongs to us. But, uh, you know, like I said last night in service, you'll win if you don't quit. You know, when you're committed to a relationship and you've got, you've got big disagreements or big problems, if you don't quit and you're covenant-minded and Jesus is your, your all in all, you're going to get there. Right? You're going to get there. And uh, so praise God. But uh, here in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God. Other translations will say imitators. Imitators of God as dear children. And what? And walk in love. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So he gives us a standard to shoot for. Not just walk in love the way you think love is, but like Christ has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now on that handout, I give it to you at the bottom of page one uh, in the Amplified. And it says, therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him. Copy him. Dr. Bill Winston was talking about this, wasn't he? That we are to copy God and follow His example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. See, if you don't know what to do, just imitate. 
Just, just play follow the leader. Right? So in your married life as a husband, in your married life as a wife, what would Jesus do? And if you don't know, go ask Him. Right? If you don't know, go ask Him. He'll tell you the Holy Ghost is in you. He'll lead you to a scripture. He'll speak to you directly. He'll tell you what to do. Amen. Uh, praise God. So we are to imitate God, copy Him, follow His example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. And walk in love. Esteeming and delighting in one another. This is a key to a great marriage. This is foundational to marriage. It's foundational to any great relationship. Sheep to shepherd. Well, how are you going to have a great pastor-church member dynamic? Well, the pastor should love the sheep. And the sheep should love their shepherd. And if you have that foundation, then things can be sweet. And things can be as God wants them to be. Amen. So part of that, the Amplified says that we should esteem each other and that we should delight in one another. Amen. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a slain offering and a sacrifice to God for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. And you could turn the page to the back side. And uh, so praise God. So when there's divine love in a marriage, that, that marriage will put off a fragrance and it'll smell good to you. It'll smell good to others. Amen. And, uh, you know, that's what your children coming up in your home, they ought to be smelling. They ought to be experiencing is the sweet fragrance of a husband and a wife living in a home together for them to see day by day. And what they see is the love of God. They see the love of God. Amen. So love, divine love, not natural human love, but divine love is foundation. It's foundational to Christian marriage. It's foundational to every good earthly relationship that you're going to have. So a couple of good uh, reminding scriptures, John 15 this is, Jesus said, my commandment. He didn't say this is my suggestion. He didn't say this is a good Valentine's Day tip. <laughs> he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. So we're living under a, a heavenly divine mandate, a command. I am commanded to love her the way God would. And any word that's a violation of that is sin. Any thought I entertain that's a violation of that is a sin. Amen. Any action I make that's in violation of that flow is a sin. And, and all of that sin is going to bring death. It's going to chip away. It's going to erode at the sweetness, at the goodness, at the, at, the, at the high standard that God wants you to have in your marriage. Amen. And so he said, I command you that you love one another as I have loved you. Y'all ever seen that movie or heard about the movie Pay It Forward? Well, this is the way this is supposed to work, right? So I, I, I know where I came from. I know what I did. I, I know what I've been forgiven of. And I've experienced and do experience the love of God in my life every day. Well, see, I'm supposed to just simply in my married life pay that forward. So I experience the love of God and I copy that towards my wife. Am I perfect at that? She'd be, she'd be quick to grab the microphone and tell you. No. Amen. But praise God, you, you practice. And it's your standard. And it's your commitment. And when that's being practiced by the husband, that's being practiced by the wife, then wow, I mean, you're just really headed in a good direction. Amen. And so Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31, Jesus answered and said him, he said, you know, master, what must I do to get to heaven was, you know, his basic uh, question for eternal life. Of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord thy God. How? With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now remember what he said? Love your spouse like that. Really the commandment is love everyone you meet like that. 
but we're talking about the marriage dynamic. How could you have a bad marriage? How, how could I just not be so stoked about getting off work and going home as fast as I could if I'm experiencing someone who is loving me with all of their heart, all of their soul, their mind, their will, their emotions, and with all their strength? I'm not looking for greener grass. Right? Right? And yet, you know, folks, you know, folks, I, I do, you know, at church and and they'll take extra shift. They'll, they'll work extra. They're 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 looking for a reason not to go home because home is not their favorite place. What is that? It's a violation of love going on. It's a violation. The, the foundation is faulty. Amen. And so he said, this is the first commandment and the second is like unto it you shall love your neighbor as yourself well if you're married your closest neighbors who it's your spouse and then your children and again you know one of the things it's easy to do is to give everyone else around you the best of you and then come home and wear your flesh because, you know, out in public, you don't want, you've got an image to uphold. You, you know, there are people are watching you. And so you're, you're going through all that good effort of mortifying the flesh and biting your tongue and making yourself be sweet. And by the time you get home, you're just tired of all that. You just want to let her rip and vent, right? And, and, and what do you do? You just end up being fleshly on your mate all the time. That's, that's not the way to be. You know, it's our family that deserves the best of us. Dr. Dufresne used to say, you know, if you want to know who the real you is, the real you is you at home. So see, we come to Bible school and we come to church, and man, we, we look the part, and, we, and maybe we are. But we look nice, and we've got our Bibles, and we wave our hankies, and we run around. But the real you is not the, real, it's not the you sitting in this room right now. I'm not looking really at the real you, probably. The realest of you is the you when you're at home. Right? And, and so understand that uh, for the things that God has for you beyond married life and family life, and He does, He's got to call on all of our lives for, to do something great for Him. It's in the home that's your greatest proving ground. The greatest proving ground and testing ground that God's going to prove you in is, in, is under your roof at home, in your jammies, around your table, dealing with real life, when the most holy people around you that you love and regard are not watching, but when God is. Amen. Amen. So let's just be reminded. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. Again, just laying some foundation. But it's, again, we, the foundation is everything. The foundation is everything. 1 Corinthians 13. Well, you can't talk about divine love, the love of God, and not go to 1 Corinthians 13. Amen. And, uh, of course, we focus on verses 4 through 8, and we should, but I want to back up into verse 1. And so Paul says, by the Spirit, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love or charity, it's, that's unfortunate in the King James, it should be translated love, then I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. What's that mean? You're just annoying. Right? Just annoying. Just a... An irritating, clanging sound. Amen. So you can say all the right things, but it's the right harmony behind it. It's the right, it's the right thing coming out behind what you're saying, how you're living. Anyway, and then he says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries. In other words, I've got a lot of revelation. I'm really spiritual. And all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. And have not love. Come on, what does it say? I am nothing. I am nothing. A useless nobody. The Amplified renders it that way. I am nothing, a useless nobody. 
So no matter what the light you have, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how developed you are in your faith, no matter how many gifts of the Spirit operate through your life and ministry, if you're not operating in divine love, you are a useless... Gosh, that's hard to say, right? A useless nobody. Amen. Is it possible to move a mountain with faith and then the mind of God still be a useless nobody? What the Bible says, that I could have tremendous depth of revelation and still be useless to God. See, apart from love, apart from love, we're nothing. If we ever get away from love, forget it. Because God, God, I found this out, God cares just as much about the why and the motive of something than He does the thing itself. So having a real call to pastor, that, that's important in my life, obviously. But why I want a pastor? What's my ongoing motive behind pastoring and being in the ministry is equally as important to God. Amen? And the greatest, the most dominant motive that we should have is love. I do it for love. Why, do I, why did I move from uh, Norman, Oklahoma to Paducah? Well, because I love God. I love God. When nobody was there, when no one saw me, drunken, suicidal at a frat party, He did. And He reached and He rescued me and He turned and He brought her in my life and He gave me clothes to wear and kids that, and all of that. So why do I pastor? Why do I preach? Why do I do what I do? Because I love Him. Not for the money, not to be seen, not to be patted on the back, but because I love him. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so that's that's a powerful word. He said, if you, you can have all these things operating in your life, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. You know, have you all ever heard this whole thing? I haven't heard in a while because, you know, the camp we're in, we get better fruit a lot of times. But, you know, about preachers, kids, PKs. Y'all ever heard like that's a thing, PKs? And it has a negative, a negative connotation with it, a negative association, that PK. How does a PK end up a PK, you know, in a bad way, that they get that rap? Well, the vast majority of the time, I believe it's because the children are there when it's real. And they see their mama and daddy get up behind a pulpit and, and... put themselves out there as being one way and espousing a certain ideal, but they don't see it at home. That's not their flow at home. That's, that's not being lived out at home. And so it's ugly. It's, it's hypocrisy. And, and the kids rebel against it. And so they begin to act out. We don't, our kids are not angels, but they're, they're great kids. We don't have a rebellious problem with our kids. And, and we're, we're definitely not perfect, but the, what we put out there in the public arena from the pulpit and in our ministry, it's not something different at home. The standard in the pulpit is the standard at home. We're not perfect at it, but what we preach in the pulpit, we're reaching for at home. So there's not this disconnect. Amen? We don't just preach ideals and love at home, but we endeavor to practice love at home. And my kids see my flesh. My kids, you know, um, they see my imperfections and when I miss it. But what they also see is hopefully a recognition of when I make a mistake. And I've, repent, I've repented to my children. I've gone to my kids and said, you know what, I'm sorry. I didn't handle that right. Uh, or, you know, I, I, that was doubt and unbelief right there. Or, you know, I didn't handle that exactly right. Now, I don't repent for everything because, you know, they're going to see my imperfection. Deal with it. I'm human also. But what they don't see is this, this ugly hypocrisy. There's got to be a genuineness and a sincerity. I think that's what God's trying to communicate. you got all these other woo flows, but you don't have love. He says, you're a useless nobody. He says, and though in verse 3, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned and have not love, 
it profits me nothing. Now, see, this is just how I think. <laughs> is it possible to martyr yourself with a wrong motive? Evidently. I just, I'm, I'm a simple person. I, I, I'm, I'm an okie from, you know, I just, uh, I'm a country boy. I read the Bible and it says you could, even if you give your body to the stake to be burned and it's not an act of love, then you go show up in heaven and think, look at that. See that? Heaven recorded. That's my body down there burning at the stake, burning for Jesus. And, and heaven go, didn't profit you anything, bub. You just got here early. Because, but I guess it's possible. The Holy Spirit's not inspiring a lie. He's not inspiring an exaggeration. Back it up even further. Can you give all your goods away? Give all your stuff away and it not profit you anything? Evidently. You know, a lot of giving to be seen. You know, have you ever put in, the, people do this, you know, you're sitting there and the offering bucket's coming by and, and you're not thinking about wanting to be a blessing. You're thinking about, I don't want the person next to me to not see me put my hand in. Oh, y'all know that happens. Come on, you know that happens. And so, you know, uh, you, know you, you see people put empty envelopes in. Oh, yeah, you put empty envelopes in or whatever. Or even if you're putting money in, God knows your motive behind that offering. We talked about Ananias and Sapphira last night. What was their little white lie all about? They, they did give, but they let it be believed that they gave it all when they only gave half. And they like that. See, what's their motive? They want to be seen as being in the flow. They want to be seen as being radical and generous. But they want to hold something back. Well, see, this is what this is talking about. Amen. Love is everything. Hallelujah. And so just some phrases, if you have your hand out there, you could see it. The Amplified says, of um, verse number three, I believe, that I am nothing. I am a useless nobody. Uh, Moffat's renders it this way. I count for nothing. I count for nothing. If you want to be a zero in life, in ministry, in marriage, in family, neglect your love walk. Amen. I tell you what, you just focus on walking in love. Every relationship you have will blossom. What about the other one? Well... Uh, God knows how to deal with someone. When you're walking in love and, and others refuse to, He's big enough. He's big enough to, to handle that and to, and to bring that about and bring justice into that situation. So Moffat says, I count for nothing. The God's Word translation says, but if I don't have love, none of these things will help me. Your faith won't help you. Your gifts of the Spirit won't help you. The revelation from the word you have won't help you. If you leave divine love, you've unplugged from God himself, for God is love. And the Weiss translation says, I am being profited in not even one thing. <laughs> wow. Praise God. Amen. So, in marriage... The greatest thing that you could do to contribute to having a great marriage, building a great marriage, it's skillful and godly wisdom to focus every day on walking in love. You know, husband, you can see it there. A lot of husbands think, I work hard, I'm a good husband. I'm sorry, dude, you're a useless nobody. I don't care how many hours you work. I don't know, I don't care, uh, you know, how much bacon you bring home. It's, it's nothing apart from love. And a lot of guys, they think, you know, husbands, you know, uh, because bills are paid and there's some groceries and nobody's walking around naked, there's clothes that he can plop down, be selfish, be greedy, be fleshly. 
be domineering, expect to be served and worshipped every moment that he's at home because he works. Listen, everybody works hard. Now, now, yeah, every, I don't know anybody that doesn't work hard. Now, we appreciate, I appreciate hard work. I, I appreciate that work ethic, it, especially if it's done in love. But that's just not the, all there is, buddy rub. Amen. And ladies, just because you folded the laundry and changed the diaper, that doesn't mean you're a good wife. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're a good wife. I mean, you may have perfectly laid out vacuum patterns on the carpet. That, that, that doesn't make you. And y'all do know that's how it's supposed to be, right? If you have carpet and you can't see the vacuum lines, it needs to be vacuumed again, right? You like random? Well, we don't do carpet. We don't do carpet at all. But see, we get these things in our head. I did this, that makes me. No, not if it's not done in love. And one thing you do in a marriage doesn't, isn't the all and end all. I have, to, I have to be used of God to make money. I have to be a good dad. I have to do all these other things that we're going to talk about. But all of it has to flow forth from a heart of real, genuine, godly love. And if it doesn't, even the good things you try to do count for nothing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm talking here. I'm, I'm reminded the Bible says that a tree is known by its fruit. We're not known by the gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people focus on the gifts of the Spirit. Or like you're saying, well, I worked hard or I did whatever. A tree is known by its fruit and not by the gifts, not by the works. And I was sitting here thinking about what's the difference between, okay, we get here fruit, gifts, or whatever. Fruit is something that we bear. It's something that we produce. It flows from the inside, right? It's something, a fruit develops. Right. Right? And it, it grows bigger. And a gift is something that's given. I mean... The gifts of the Spirit, well, they're gods. They're (laughs) They're not something that we produced, you know. So I've seen ministers who flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but when I think of them, I don't think about that. I think about, okay, they're manipulative. They're manipulative. They're angry. Yeah. They try to control people, you know. So we bring reproach to our family and to the ministry, and that's why people think, okay, they're just hypocrites because they don't see the fruit in our lives. They just see us trying to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And so, yeah. Uh-huh. So we, we have to, and, and fruit takes time to develop. Fruit takes the time. The peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, love, all of those things. We should be focusing on developing those things. Amen? Because that's, yeah. that's how we're known. Yeah. You know, Jesus said there's going to come a day on Judgment Day that I'm going to say to people, get, you know, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they're going to say, what in the world are you talking about? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Right? So these acts of God that God flows through us for the benefit of other people doesn't, doesn't count for or doesn't, who are you? Amen. Yeah, Jesus, yes, yeah, so good. We know a person not by their gifting, not by and we don't follow ministries because they have a following. Because they're popular. Amen. But because of the fruit of their own personal life. So good. Amen. So like I say here, uh, hard work doesn't make you a good husband, only love. And self-sacrifice you know, I know moms, that's a lot of what they, they, they and, but they revel in that. They almost can become a pride thing. I, look, I've sacrificed for my child. I've sacrificed, sacrificing. Well, that doesn't make you a good mom. Amen. Only love does. Only love does. Amen. And uh, so on this handout, you know, we're going to have to, well, what time? Yeah, we're getting, coming up on our first break. There are different kinds of love, right? 
And so there are different Greek words that describe the different kinds of love. And of course, the highest type is, is that Greek word uh, agape. Agape, which is simply the God kind of love. There's other types of love. You know, there's phileo. I think I talk about that. Uh, phileo is a Greek word describing the love that flows from friendship and fondness and affection and delight and personal attachment. And uh, it is the love for feeling. I love because I feel. And this is what the world flows in. As long as they feel, they'll stay. But when they stop feeling, they're done. Whereas divine love doesn't have to feel. Divine love takes no account of a suffered wrong. Divine love is there not to get, but to give. Jesus says, no greater love can a man have than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. Amen. And so real love, praise God, gives. I remind couples that are having difficulty and they're having conflict, you know, about, the, about their vows. And if you've been married, you know, there's different forms. People say different things. But when Amber and I were standing there in front of our pastor, I didn't say things like this to her. As long as you... And I expect you, and you better do, and if you don't, I'm, that's not how that goes. What is it? It's, I pledge to love you in good times, in bad times, in every circumstance, in times of joy, in times of sorrow, in times of health, in times of sickness. I pledge to be, do this, to be faithful to you. To meet your needs. So our vows, our, our wedding moment, the cutting of that covenant is all about what we're going to give. Isn't it amazing how quick we walk away and define the entire marriage by what I'm getting? And I know that that wedding day we're just in a fog and we're looking at her dress and his tux and it's just all so wonderful. But listen, we made vows and God is present. He remembered the vows. You know, in Malachi, he says, I, I was there. I, I heard you make that vow to the wife of your youth. And now she is filling my altar with her tears because you violated her. He says, I'm no longer accepting your offerings. I'm no longer accepting your offerings. I'm not, I'm not entertaining your prayers anymore. This is why when God told uh, Pastor Nancy was preaching early on in the founding of this church on Bible prosperity, God broke in on her and said, you're going to have to back up. You're going to have to back up and teach on love in the home. Because if my people don't have love in the home, they don't qualify for Bible prosperity. Amen. Someone might have to help me, but uh, Dr. Dufresne talked about the different kinds of marriages. There's different kinds of marriages he said there's flesh marriages, right? And what is a flesh marriage? Well, we're in love with each other's bodies. Well, how, how, how much fuel is that going to put in the tank? Is that going to last 50 years? What happens when gravity starts taking over? <laughs> right? Amen. I'm fighting that. I'm lifting weights. I'm, you know, mm -mm. I'm forever young. If I have, I'll sleep upside down if I have you, whatever. <laughs> right? But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, time happens to us all. It's going to get us all if the Lord... You know, so flesh marriages, beauty's fading. Physical beauty is fading. And uh, so that's not going to last. And then he said there's, there's heady marriages. Is that what he called it? Or he, he called it brain marriages. In other words, that's what he said. What's, what's that marriage based on? People are in love with each other's brains. Their wit. Their intellect. You know, whatever. And, uh, well, that's not going to be... But then he said, you know, there's that agape love type of marriage. That's the one. Amen. That's the one that's really going to stand the test of... the stand the test of time. 
uh, amen. And uh, so just real quick here before the break, we have a couple of minutes. You can find that area on the handout where we have um, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified. And I know this is very familiar to you. And, uh, but let's go over it again. So here the Amplified breaks down these Greek words and gives us the definition of what the God kind of love does and what the God kind of love doesn't do. And th this is the sum of what I heard Brother Hagen say was his marriage counseling. When couples came to Pastor Hagen for counsel, for marriage counsel, he said to them, get this scripture, 4 through 8, take it home, read it to yourself <laughs> three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then commit, practice that on your spouse every day. That was the sum of his marriage counseling. Didn't matter what the issue was. The answer is divine love. That's the answer. Amen. You all do know that selfishness is the destroyer of all human relationships. I don't care. I don't care. Nobody ends up at divorce court where selfishness is not the problem. When you get someone fighting for their rights, and it's me, myself, and I, that's selfishness. And so you won't find self anywhere in, these pas in this passage of Scripture. Amen? So what does it say? It says love, this kind of love, endures long and is mean and griping while it does. No. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Now, Amber and I, we've, we've been together for 28 a little over 28. We've been married for coming up on January. It'll be 25 years. And uh, not every month of our marriage has been heavenly. Not, not every. Now, we haven't, I don't even think we've had, you know, it's just, but I'm talking about the pinnacle. You know, where you just, whoo, you're just really feeling it. In 25 years, there's been weeks where you're just irritated. Or just Whatever. Amen. Uh, you know, and, and I know this being trained in sociology, that's what my undergraduate degree was in, that when they survey marital happiness, what, what is the stage of uh, a married couple's experience that is the least satisfying? The, they report the least amount of satisfaction and happiness. And they all say when their kids are really small. Well, because those babies, <laughs> they demand a lot of attention and uh, sleepless nights and where's all the money going diapers and formula and you know and everything else so it can it can rob from some things so and and that was probably true for me we enjoyed all those seasons but that's just on my side when our babies were the smallest and so anyway if there's things to endure and there will be you just do so love will endure amen and it'll be patient and kind while it's enduring. A lot of people endure, but they're not very sweet while they do it. They'll let you know they're enduring. Love is never envious or boils over with jealousy. Amen. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. It is not, it, love doesn't display itself haughtily. So it's not conceited, right? It uses that word. It's not arrogant and inflated with pride, which is all self-centered, right? Love is not rude. I mean, you could just make a rule list. This is how I'm going to conduct myself in my marriage. So I, I don't get to be rude. I don't get to not be a morning... Well, I'm not a morning person. And I'm not. I, I, I'm becoming more and more of one. But typically, I, I, I need a shower, a long one, and several cups of coffee before you really want to engage me. I'm just getting better, but I'm a, I'm a slow starter and a strong finisher. Now, my wife, she floats out of bed. She is whistling a happy tune. Everything is just... And to a person who's not bent that way, that is just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> All right, let's just simmer down here a little bit. But see, then by 8, 9, 9 p.m., I'm, I'm like, woo, and let's talk. She's like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like, I sang all my songs already. <laughs> She's like, my, my, my wheels are out. I'm landing this thing. 
Amen. I tell you, Amber and I, we are different people. Praise God. But it doesn't, there's no excuse to be rude. Ever. I don't care what they did, what they said, how you feel. Being rude is out of bounds. Love does not act becomingly. What, what does that mean? Well, love minds its manners. Love minds its manners. We've got a quick here. We're over time. And uh, so it does not insist on its own. Oh, man, we could preach on these things, right? Love does not insist on its own rights. Bless God, I'm the husband. Well, we'll get into this more. It takes no account of, an, of the evil done to it. Evil. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. She burned my toast. You know, divine love just totally overlooks that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know what y'all are laughing at. But I'm moving on. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, don't love. It, it's not love to be a doormat. It's not love to be abused. That's not what he's talking about. And it tells you that in the next phrase. Love does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Amen? And that ought to be true in your marriage. Our love bears up under anything and everything that comes. And it is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. And this is to be the, the dominant law in the thing that we practice on our spouse each and every day. You do that, you're going to have a great marriage. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's take five minutes and we'll take a, take a break and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll dive into some more things here. Boy, they're smart. They got their quilt. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Thomas.